to the Black Agenda Podcast. I'm your co-host, Adrian Guest, along with my co-host, Devin Dito. And today, listeners, we're doing a special episode because there are some elections going on today. We we had a normal episode scheduled, but we wanted to kind of throw it off a little bit because we've been doing a lot of um, episodes about engagement, about participation, about changing our democracy. And you don't change the democracy without participating in local elections. You'll learn as we talk throughout this episode, listeners, a lot of the issues that we're talking about, like policing, housing, you know, jobs and things like that. A lot of local politicians have a lot of power over, you know, minimum wage, uh, a lot of power over, you know, how uh, levying uh, floor ceilings and different things like that for rent control and stuff. So it's really important to focus on that. And that's what we're wanting to do that. But before we get into a lot of these state and local elections, we wanted to start off by talking about a couple of special elections where we've got three special elections for Congress taking place on Tuesday, two general elections in Ohio, one in the dark blue 11 district, one in the solidly red 15 district. The special election in Florida's 20 district looks like a jump ball. South Florida district left vacant by the death of former representative Alcee Hastings in April is extremely blue. So the winner of the Democratic primary is all but guaranteed to win the January general election. However, 11 Democrats are on the ballot and at least six could possibly win the nomination. In Cleveland, Ohio area, two black candidates, Democrat Chantel Brown and Republican Laverne Gore, running Tuesday to succeed former U.S. Representative Marsha Fudge, who resigned from her House seat after she was confirmed as secretary of the Department of Housing and Urban Development in President Biden's administration earlier this year. So, yeah, Devin, got a couple of special elections just to kind of start us off there. Um I know the Democrats are hoping for some some some, some more uh, victories to sure up. You know, we only got three, but you know, with a, such a slim majority, they could definitely use those three. Uh, yes, Adrian, slim is an understatement when talking about the Democrats trying to hang on to seats. Doesn't look like they're going to lose any really one. You know, with two of those special election races being in heavily Democratic areas. But nonetheless, there are just things to keep an eye on and see the margins that, you know, to see if there's going to be, you know, things that we can maybe take from this to, to try to, you know, estimate what's going to happen next year. But when you're talking about the, the political landscape, a lot of the power honestly lands at the governor's office on the state level. And just to kind of give you a, a lay of the landscape right now, at least in who controls the governorships, uh, 23 states have Democratic governors and 27 states have Republican governors. And we are familiar with that, Adrian, being from Mississippi. It's always pretty much had a Republican governor. It's been a while since we had a Democrat there, um, but we're, we're used to it. And there are only actually two governor's races that you that are even happening on Tuesday or today that you really need to be paying attention to. One is, is a dead heat that's happening in Virginia where Democratic governor, uh, former Democratic governor uh, Terry McAuliffe and Republican businessman Glenn Youngkin are trying to, you know, race and, and fight each other to become the next governor of Virginia. And like I say, the, the race is a dead heat. It's pretty much tied. This is according to 538's polling average. This, and it, this is the interesting thing. Virginia actually voted for, for Joe Biden by 10 points in 2020. But as you can see, things have changed a lot. Um, and one of the things that has really come become a topic of discussion is what's happening in the schools and critical race theory. 
uh, Adrian <laughs> Terry McAuliffe. I guess you can call this a gaffe, but during the debate, he kind of, I don't know, he went off the cuff and said that, quote, he didn't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach, end quote. And of course, that angered a lot of people uh, because you, you know, depending on where you're from, you want that, that parent involvement. And of course, the ads came fast and furious from the Republican uh, challenger. Uh, but nonetheless, this is going to be a very close race to keep an eye on to see if McAuliffe can get across the finish line because um, he's got some headwinds going against him, both with what he just said, but also just nationally, Democrats are more unpopular. But the cool thing and the great the other thing that's happening in Virginia on Tuesday or today is that regardless of what happens with the governorship, Virginia will have its first woman of color as lieutenant governor regardless of who wins. There's a black Democrat. Her name is Hala Ayala, and she is an Afro-Latina. And then there's a Republican woman who's a, who's a black woman. Her name is Winsome Sears. If either one gets in, they either one will go in and it will make history as being the first woman of color as Lieutenant governor. So that's going to be interesting to keep an eye on to see who wins that and see some history made Adrian. But uh, the, the Virginia race is kind of a, you know, a litmus test almost for next year and see if the Democrats can stand up against the test to show people, hey, we can get things done, put us back in office next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, McAuliffe, uh, he put his foot in his mouth with the, um, you know, parents shouldn't, you know, tell teachers what to teach. Um, you know, there, there's, a, there's a lot to be said about that right now of basically we're in a point to where more people have, realize that our educational system is politically or not politically institutionally racist and, you know, leaves out a bunch of stuff. So we, we do have to challenge our school districts to get them to teach things outside of what they have been teaching um, because they have not been teaching a lot of uh, really, really important uh, elements uh, of academia, but to move to another race and also Thanks, you know, uh, thanks to, you know, women, you know, coming out strong and, uh, in, uh, Virginia with, you know, having a lieutenant governor. So hats off to them there. Uh, but to take you to New Jersey, keeping you on the East Coast, the contest between incumbent Democratic Governor Phil Murphy and Republican Jack Chitterelli, a former state assemblyman, had mostly simmered on the back burner as Murphy had uh, really good poll numbers, about 10% uh, ahead in nonpartisan polls all through August. However, unfortunately, President Biden's ratings have tumbled. I think we're going to talk about that a little bit later. And polls suggest that New Jersey's race is a little bit closer than it was before, although the current governor, uh, Murphy, still remains to be a substantial favorite to win. But like I said, Devin, uh, Biden's numbers are, are, are faltering a little bit, um, you know, and like I said, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. And that's probably a reason, you know, for this race tightening up. And I would imagine that, you know, we know that there's going to be some, you know, couple state legislative races because, you know, listeners, Virginia and New Jersey's electing a governor. Those are the two states that are also having legislative races as well. Um, Republicans actually, you know, looking at this on a, on a broad level with the country, Republicans control about 54% of state legislative seats nationally. 
uh, while Democrats hold about 44% of those. Uh, Republicans hold about 61 chambers. Democrats hold about 37 chambers. And there's like one chamber that's multipartisan. It's in Alaska. So, um, you know, obviously not a lot of races here. Like I said, just New Jersey and Virginia are having some races for their state assembly and their state Senate. So, uh, Devin, like I said, you know, a lot of this, you know, I guess as you said, and I've reiterated, a lot of this is reflective on, you know, President Biden on the National Democratic Party to say who's going to be the next governor of uh, Virginia and New Jersey and who's going to win these state legislative seats. No, I mean, you're exactly right, Adrian. This is going to be a, a huge test for President Biden to see if if he and his party can make the case that, you know, Democrats deserve to still be in charge next year. And even though we don't have that many races, um, the ones that we do have will be picked apart to try to see if there's anything we can pull in from next, you know, from this year to try to see what's going to happen next year. But there are also, you know, going down the ladder here, we talked about the governor races and the special elections, but there actually are some mayoral races that are going to be pretty uh, history making. And so the first one is going to be in Boston, where the race between city councilor uh, Michelle Wu and uh, city councilor Anissa Asabi George. Uh, that one right now is it looks like uh, Michelle Wu is around 30 points ahead of city councilor Anissa Asabi George. But regardless of who wins, history will be made. So if either Wu or Asabi George wins, um, they would be the first woman and the first person or and the first person of color to be elected mayor of Boston. So history making there, just like in Virginia and with the lieutenant governor's race. And then moving to Cleveland, this is kind of an interesting race, Adrian, where you have kind of, I would say, old blood and new blood kind of going at it here, where the city council president, Kevin Kelly, who is a 53-year-old white moderate with the endorsement of the outgoing mayor, Frank Jackson, he's going up against the nonprofit executive, uh, Justin Bibb, who is 34 years old. So he's almost 20 years old, older than his challenger. Uh, the 34-year-old black progressive, Justin Bibb, he's never run for office before, he is running for mayor of Cleveland. And one of the issues in that race has been issue, uh, issue 24, which is a ballot measure that would create a civilian commission to oversee the Cleveland police. Justin Bibb, the 34-year-old black progressive, supports it. And Kelly, the 50-year-old white, 53-year-old white moderate, opposes it. So it's interesting, Adrian, to kind of see where this is going to go, you know, especially after last year with what happened with George Floyd. A lot of people want to see more oversight over the police department. So this could be an interesting test case to see where the public stands as far as, you know, more oversight over the police department. Absolutely. Again, like I said, at the top of the episode, you know, we've been talking about the federal government moving on a lot of these issues like policing, but you see cities are being progressive on it. So it's important um, who who wins these elections, because honestly, Devin, you know, people are going to look to these cities as, you know, the test to say, you know, does this community policing idea or limiting police, does it actually work or does it lead to more crime? And people are going to be dissecting these decisions that, you know, the mayor, city councilman and all those, you know, make. Um, so it's important. And um, speaking of, you know, policing a little bit more, obviously, Minneapolis, they're having a mayoral race. Tensions are still high. 
um, where Mayor Jacob Fryer uh, will face uh, voters for the first time since the murder of George Floyd and ensuing protests that engulfed the city. Um, they're also looking at uh, voting on local ballot measures to give the mayor's office more power or take the police department out from under its control. The campaign has become a referendum on the best way to ensure public safety. The current mayor has opposed previous efforts to defund the police and attempted to keep the police reform ballot measure off the ballot, while his two most prominent opponents prominent opponents, community organizer Sheila Nedzad and former state representative Kate Newth support the measure and say Frey didn't do enough to reform policing before Floyd's death. So again, Devin, you know, big stuff happening around, you know, um, these certain initiatives. I, I, I'm, you know, I would imagine if a city could, you know, have the power to, you know, override the, the state that they're in, you'd probably see marijuana, uh, on some of these uh, ballot initiatives in cities, but unfortunately, um, that does not work. But uh, you know, listeners, it just kind of shows you what's, what's what's happening around, or rather, we're trying to show you what's happening around the country, even during the off seasons. We know we're going to be doing another big election special around this time of the year uh, for midterms. But we also want to let you know local elections might be happening in your area, so pay attention. Uh, and remember that you can always uh, chip in wherever you live uh, to give to you know a particular party, to a candidate that you believe in. You can always do that. And before we go to break, just wanted to make sure um, that you know that there are some city council races that you might want to be on the lookout for. Uh, uh, Devin's hometown of Dallas has one. Uh, <laughs> Minneapolis has one as well. And uh, Seattle, uh, Seattle, Washington is also uh, having a city council race. So um, what we're going to do, listeners, we're going to give you a break here. And when we come back, we really want to digest what we just talked about and talk about some of the ramifications of what's coming. So stick with us. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to the Black Agenda podcast. We appreciate your support and we ask that you like, share, and follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Black Agenda Pod. That's at Black Agenda Pod. Let's get back to the show. All right, welcome back, listeners. So we're continuing our uh, discussion here about the you know November elections. Today is election day, and we talked about some of the races that you need to be keeping your eyes on. But now we kind of want to broaden this discussion to talk about what this all really means and what's at stake uh, for the parties uh, and for you and, and a lot of people. And so, first up, you know, Adrian, you know, the the topic we wanted to talk about first was just the fact that this is the first election since Donald Trump was uh, voted out of office and President Biden became president. Um, there's a lot that's been going on. Trump has not been quiet since he left office. Not that we expected him to, but he has been very vocal in picking people that he thinks uh, support him. And he's going to try to primary even Republicans to take their spots. And so this would be an interesting you know, way of seeing if he really holds that much clout now that he's now a former president and not, you know, current president, like he had the bully pulpit before. And now he's just out here as a regular person, <laughs> so to speak. So we're trying to, you know, it'd be interesting to see if the candidates, you know, he supports really get, you know, really attached to the voters like he thinks they will. Yeah. And it's, 
I would definitely say out of the races that we talked about, most of them are, I don't think most of them were probably very Trump uh, heavy. I mean, probably in Virginia, I'm sure he probably yeah. threw some weight and probably in New Jersey as well. Those, those governor races, I'm sure he's been very vocal in. Uh, and then, of course, on the local level, I mean, you definitely got to pay attention to those because, I mean, those are the people who rise up and be in the legislature the next, you know, next couple of years. And they're also impacting a lot of um, uh, weight on the local level. Um, one of the things, uh, listeners, that we saw that was really interesting is where Americans um, feel they can kind of trust the political parties and interestingly, um, the Republicans are actually in the lead right now. This is from you know some Gallup polling that was done about mid October, um, where it showed that you know the GOP's um, gaps or margins in, in in their trust in Americans are actually a lot higher than the Democrats, and it's higher than it has been in the past six years. But on two issues, especially one is security and one is prosperity. Security is probably on everyone's mind, Devin, because, you know, we've got cybersecurity that was mm -hmm. really, really big and bad. Um, you've got, you know, Afghanistan and Taliban and all that kind of stuff going on. So obviously security is really big and prosperity. Um, Democrats have been talking so much about build back better and getting everybody in, in equality and, and fairness and things like that. So interestingly, listeners, um, 55, excuse me, 54% prefer the Republican Party when it comes to security matters, and 50% prefer the Republican mar uh, Party when it comes to prosperity. So the Democrats mm -hmm. are losing in both of those. Um, and Devin, like I said off, off the show, it goes to show you that the Democrats just aren't delivering. And, you know, Thank goodness for them that, you know, today we don't have a bunch of Democratic elections just because, you know, you don't you don't know how it's going to go um, going into next year. Exactly. I think if you had the election right now for the midterms, uh, the Democrats would lose probably both the House and the Senate, probably by good margins, too. It's not a favorable environment. And I think some of it, too, is it's kind of showing like they ran last year in 2020 so much on just, we're not Trump. Biden's not Trump. You know, they ran a lot on Trump and it wasn't so much like ideas and here's how we want to fix things. Like Obama came in with, we're going to do healthcare. We're going to do these big, huge projects. Whereas the Democrats last year was more so, Hey, look, Biden's not Trump. So give us that much, you know? And that's kind of what we got. But now that Biden has been in office for what, you know, 10 months now, Things have not gone smoothly. It's It's been a challenge from Afghanistan. The economy is not where we thought it would be. COVID is still here, but in some ways we're just living with it now and people are having fatigue with it. And then you get the critical race theory stuff going on. Um, it's just a lot that they've kind of mishandled. And then, you know, then you get what they're doing now with the, the Build Back Better plan and the infrastructure bill. The things that we really wanted out of that, we're probably not going to get. And so it's just, they're just coming up short in a lot of different areas. You got inflation, costs are going up, people are feeling the pinch. Um, yes, the Democrats did do what they said they would. They did pass the, the coronavirus, the COVID relief bill, and they sent out checks to people. They got the rental aid out, although it's going out very slowly. <laughs> it's going out. Um, but I think, you know, it just shows you 
people are shifting. I think, like you say, if you go back to, to 2008 to like 2012, the Democrats were the favorable party. I mean, they had a huge majority when Obama came in the office. But, um, you know, people are iffy. They're unsure about the future. And when you're unsure about the future, you tend to go with what you, you know, what your gut says and what you, you know, may trust more right now. People think it's the Republican Party, although we just got through with four years of Donald Trump, which I think is amazing. <laughs> the after effects soon have already worn off in a way. Yeah. I mean, when you look at our country, you know, going back to some of the other statistics we talked about, you got 54% of state legislatures are controlled by Republicans and you've got, you know, 27, you know, governorships controlled by Republicans. So they do have a stronghold. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, a lot of that is because of gerrymandering or districting and things of that nature, but, um, that's, that's a solid stronghold. And if Democrats want to implement a lot of the things that we're talking about, like policing, like, you know, more inclusive curriculum, like LGBTQ plus, you know, legislation, if they want to get those things done, you, you got to start, you know, you know, mobilizing on the state and local mm-hmm. levels and get the federal government. Cause like I said, the real customer is the people. And that's the lo- <laughs> you go to the local and the state level to get to the people. That's gonna move everybody else because politicians they're they're not you know I don't know why people think you got to go convince politicians. You got to go convince the constituents because that's the one that's gonna convince the politicians. So um, you know, listeners, that's why these conversations that you know we that we have. Are, are really valuable. Um, we try to make sure we highlight some different things that are going on um, so that you, you may not be aware of. Like I said, you might not live in some of these states that, um, you know, obviously you know, there's only two governor's races and some mayoral things or special elections or whatever. But like I said before, um, you can support, you can donate to these candidates because a lot of the issues that you care about um, if, 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 if we have a lot of, if we have people that are against those issues, you know, dominating the people who are for those, we'll never get anything done. So we really need to advocate for something better. So what we're going to do, we're going to wrap this up here, but we got to give you another break so that we can come back and do our ending. So stick with us. We'll be right back. You have been listening to the Black Agenda podcast hosted by Adrian Guest and Devin Dito. If you enjoy listening to the show, let the host know by leaving a review on Apple Podcast or by visiting patron.podbean.com forward slash Black Agenda Pod and give a few dollars. After all, the Black Agenda Podcast is supported by listeners like you. Let's get back to the show. All right, welcome back, listeners. So as always, we like to leave you with giving you a look forward as to what is upcoming on the show. So first up, we'll be back with you this Saturday. Uh, no, not October. <laughs> that is November 6th, 2021. And that'll be weekly roundup uh, 21. So there you go. Uh, it'll be the 21st weekly roundup of the season. We are nearing the end here. Um, just a few more episodes and weekly roundups. But we'll be back with you on Saturday to bring you some more news, uh, some breaking news, and probably bringing you the results from that Virginia's governor's race. So make sure you tune in for that to get an update uh, for that. Um, after that, so coming up on the following Tuesday, 
that is going to be Tuesday, uh, November 9th. We're going to be talking about the supply chain. So you probably haven't really heard about it. You may have seen, though, there have been stories about Christmas being at stake, store shelves being empty, you know, container ships waiting off the coast of Los Angeles. That is all talking about or related to the supply chain issues and shortages that we've seen. And so we're going to talk about it. We're going to bring it to you and explain exactly what is going on. And if there is a real chance that you may need to start Christmas shopping a lot earlier this year. So make sure you tune in for our episode. Our guest for this show is going to be awesome. His name is uh, Professor Yossi Sheffi, and he is a, and a, he is a professor at MIT in Boston. So make sure you tune in for that. That's a great conversation. We talk about a lot of things outside of the supply chain, but it's very interesting to see exactly what is going on and why you may need to start Christmas shopping probably now <laughs> and not waiting until December. Uh, but that's coming to you Tuesday, November 9th, uh, 2021, talking about the supply chain. Um, after that, so again, you listen to us here, you come back on the 9th and listen to our supply chain episode, but we always ask you to help us out with a little bit of, you know, a little bit of change or money that you got laying around. And then AJ is going to let you know how you can give that to us. Thanks, Devin. Listeners, um, I always mention to you that we're trying to build something. Uh, you know, I almost want to say something like Biden, build back better. Um, but we want to do something better than that because we understand the problems of our communities. Um, I feel better than, you know, the president because he doesn't seem to, you know, operate on them. But that's another story, another conversation, another episode. What we're talking about here is donating to us so that we can really create movement along these issues that we're talking about. We would love to be able to, you know, donate on behalf of our listenership to a governor's race or to a city councilman or something like that to say, we believe in what you're trying to do to correct community policing, to, you know, raise the minimum wage or whatever the case may be. And that takes backing from our listeners to be able to do that. So please go to our website, blackagendapod.com. Click the Donate tab. If you're listening to us in the Podbean app, there's a donate button, donate donation button right there for you, so you can click on it right there. Once you get in there, you'll realize there's a lot of different levels where you can become a monthly patron. When you become a monthly patron, you get things from Devin and myself, so please go to our website, blackagendapie.com, sign up, and start giving. Also, new charity. It's a new month, new charity. Also, it's uh, November. So November is National Diabetes Awareness Month. Obviously, as the black community, this is something that impacts us probably too often. So we need to make sure to recognize this and to recognize a great organization that's fighting against this disease. The American Diabetes Association is a United States-based nonprofit that seeks to educate the public about diabetes and to help those affected by it through funding research to manage, cure, and prevent diabetes. It's a network of 565,000 volunteers, which includes 20,000 healthcare professionals and administration staff members. Their vision is a life free of diabetes and of its burdens. Their mission is to prevent and cure diabetes and to improve the lives of all people affected by diabetes. If you are a Family Guy fan, you remember that there has an episode on there where they have the guy that says diabetes. But we're not talking about that. So uh, <laughs> just had to bring that in there. Uh, 
Just remember that this is November, new charity of the month. We're talking about the American Diabetes Association. Go to their website, check them out, and consider giving. Absolutely. Help them help out for a great cause, one that affects all of us, whether you call it diabetes or diabetes. It's, we're, all, we're all here for the same reason. We're trying to build awareness for this disease. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and wrap up the show here. Last thing we'll leave you with, make sure you're following us on, on, on social media. That'll be Facebook a, or AKA Meta, Twitter, Instagram. You can find us at Black Agenda Pod. Um, that is our handle. And again, that's at Black Agenda Pod. Um, also, make sure you go search us, search for us on YouTube. Just go there, type in the Black Agenda Podcast, and you'll find our catalog. I believe it's well over 50 videos in there. Great conversations that go all the way back to last year when we first started this podcast. So if you're new to the show, that is a great place to start to get to know us and what we are all about. And so again, for me and Adrian, we enjoy bringing you the news on on our weekly roundups, but we also love talking to you and doing these specials where we get to give our opinions and tell you what's going on in the world and what you need to be paying attention to. Uh, So make sure you vote. You should be voting. Today's election day. Get out there and make your voice heard um, on the local level for sure. Make sure you get out there and get active. And until uh, this upcoming Saturday, weekly roundup number 21, we'll see you next time. 